This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Welcome back to Sportsbook. I'm Dan Roberts, and you're hearing this on Thursday, December 7. Monday of this week, December 4, Supreme Court finally heard the New Jersey sports betting case. The official name of that case, Christie versus the NCAA. That is Chris Christie. And we have been anticipating, expecting, waiting for, anxious about, excited about this case in the sports business world for weeks, months, years, arguably. Big implications, of course. We won't get a decision until next year. But the issue at hand is whether the state of New Jersey can legalize and regulate sports betting within its state, even though there is an existing federal ban called PASPA. That's the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act. It's not just about New Jersey. It's also about what other states will be allowed to do, because you will see a domino effect if New Jersey wins, that's for sure. And more importantly for you, the average uh, sports fan, it's about how the professional sports leagues will respond and react and what steps they will take if and when New Jersey wins this case. And speaking of the sports leagues, we know, because it's been hard to avoid seeing, that the prominent supporter of all this since 2014, when he penned a very influential and at the time surprising and uh, newsworthy op-ed in the New York Times, this is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. And this op-ed he wrote in 2014, which to this day, three years later, is still constantly cited, quoted from, pointed to, Congress should adopt a federal framework that allows states to authorize betting on professional sports. Boom, there you have it. So Adam Silver was really first out the gate to support this. Now, I would say that in the three years since then, a number of the other commissioners have kind of trickled out uh, with their own statements of support, indications of support. Uh, We had baseball commissioner Rob Manfred in here at our Yahoo Finance Live Summit in February, last February, and he said, quote, we are re-examining our stance on gambling, which was still a little bit veiled, a little bit of a hint, not quite as bold as Adam Silver writing it in the New York Times. But it's something, and Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber recently indicated also uh, some kind of support for bringing betting out into the light, as many people put it. So the point is, Adam Silver, big proponent, big supporter of this, that has been really helpful for the momentum toward legalized sports betting. We're going to get into that with our guests today, Uh, and it's a good excuse to talk about the NBA at large. The NBA is on the rise NBA rights fees are up because the league is up, the ratings are good, the revenue is up, the players are hot, the sport is hot. Football, on the other hand, not. The NBA is rising just at a time when the NFL is declining. And we're going to discuss with our guest today, that is NBA journalist, a former ESPN writer, editor, Jordan Brenner. Now, you'll hear me ask Jordan whether Adam Silver deserves all of the fan appreciation and respect and props that he gets, and he sure does get a lot. I think he uh, gets maybe arguably overpraised. He, he gets a lot of credit as being this innovative, progressive leader, but he is, that's for sure, but he gets a lot of credit. Yeah, Adam has been a really progressive commissioner in a lot of ways, and uh, especially with anything related to technology, and I would say this is sort of in that realm, um, particularly with the implications for online gambling and such. Of course, this leads to more fan engagement when people have an opportunity to bet. Fantasy's already done it. DFS has done it on a lower scale. When people have a chance to really bet on the games, it's going to bring them in to watch what's a really good product. 
My question is now, in the intervening years, Silver still seems to be this golden boy, or silver boy. <laughs> and is it deserved? Is he really the most progressive commissioner? We'll get into it, and we're going to get into also the business of the NBA, the business of fantasy, how fantasy has boosted uh, the NBA and the NFL, and whether fantasy can help bring the NFL back, or if it's just not enough, and why the NFL is declining. Is it really politics? Hint, no. We'll get into it. All right, joining me now, my guest today, sports journalist and editor, formerly of places like ESPN and Bleacher Report, my friend and an NBA and college basketball guy, Jordan Brenner. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Dan. How are you? Terrific. Uh, thanks for coming in. I want to talk about the NBA. I want to ask you just how good my Boston Celtics are, but we'll, we'll put that on hold for a second. I want to see if you think they're the real deal. But let's start this way. You know, here at Yahoo Finance, we have been discussing a lot the business implications of this New Jersey sports betting case. Uh, as I talked to you, it was this week, just a couple days ago, that the Supreme Court heard the case. Uh, we won't get any ruling for a while, probably till 2018, but everyone is feverishly, excitedly talking about what kind of laws might change as a result. Uh, and of course, the most immediate would be if New Jersey wins, you would see legalized sports betting, at least in New Jersey. I'm sure other states would follow. Just as an NBA guy, as someone who follows the league day to day closer than I, uh, what's your take there in terms of how fans would respond? And then, of course, also NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has really been a leader in pushing this. Famously, in 2014, he wrote the New York Times op-ed that is still so totally linked to constantly. It's like it was already three years ago, but every story mentions, oh, the New York Times op-ed in which he argued for legalized, regulated sports betting. Yeah, Adam has been a really progressive commissioner in a lot of ways, and uh, especially with anything related to technology. And I would say this is sort of in that realm, um, particularly with the implications for online gambling and such. I think what Adam realizes is two things, and he said that he said this a number of times. It's no secret. One, of course, this leads to more fan engagement when people have an opportunity to bet. Fantasy's already done it. DFS has done it on a lower scale. When people have a chance to really bet on the games, it's going to bring them in to watch what's a really good product. The second thing is, obviously, there's a history in the NBA of the Tim Donahue um, uh, mm. issue. And for people who have concerns about things that going on that are untoward, as Adam says, it's sort of bringing gambling out of the darkness because this is happening anyway, just in an unregulated, um, uh, dark area that this way you can monitor large shifts in the line and where the money's coming in from and, and electronically be able to track certain things that would actually help the NBA... Um, ensure that everything is above board. So uh, I think Adam is right in pushing for this to be legal. And um, yeah, I would think the I don't think NBA betting would ever be at the level NFL betting is. Right. But I do think it would open up a whole new world. It's funny you mentioned that he's seen as a progressive commissioner. That's so true. I think not just progressive in terms of technology, but. Um, well, he had a great start with the Donald Sterling issue. I mean, that was a layup. You know, he, uh, absolutely. Even, even Roger like, Goodell would have first day on the that. job. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and so that's what I want to ask you, actually, is do you think there's an extent to which Silver is a little bit overpraised? I mean, he is like the hot, cool, popular commissioner, and I'm sure all the others a little bit look on and say, oh, man, like Rob Manfred says, well, I can, I can do new stuff, and I can bring change and innovation. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think um, overpraised? I wouldn't say he's been overpraised. I think he hasn't been transformative in every way, but the bottom line is um, on social issues with the Charlotte All-Star Game, he's been 
in the forefront. He's trying to make sense of the sort of ridiculous um, age limit, which he realizes isn't helping the NBA or college basketball. He's finally ushering in a real minor league for the NBA. And, and, and just the way that the league has been really at the forefront of analytics and technology and sport view cameras and tracking what their players are doing and rest if you compare that to like the again i just compare it to the nfl where it seems to be like they're the creationists of mm. sports right like squashing any form of new information and new data i i would say that i don't think adam silver might be as publicly praised if he wasn't going ha, didn't have the nfl constantly doing the wrong thing as a yes. point of comparison yes well and that's a that's a great way to put it because i was about to ask does it sort of make Roger Goodell look bad in comparison? But I see your point is sort of twisting it around. It's the other way. It's that Goodell helps Silver by continuing to do things that make that league look bad and, and look a little um, draconian. Everything. A lot draconian. I can't remember the last, like, you know what? The last good thing the NFL did was actually allowing these player celebrations because they're hilarious and they're fun and they actually show some personality of their players in a brutal sport. But otherwise, I can't remember the last move that like was like, that's smart. This is recognizing what's going on. This is looking forward. And I think, quite frankly, all the other sports have been making good changes and, and trying to um, make their product hit with a, with a changing fan base and certainly a changing technological world. And I think the NFL has sort of been the fat cat sitting, you know, just assuming everything would keep piling in. And I still don't think they've recognized the danger they're in and the fact that they might not even exist as we know it in another generation. Right, and I, I do want to get into that. So first, well, we can get into it now, but let me use as a segue, you brought up the idea of fantasy and DFS, and it's interesting. Uh, for the longest time, the narrative on DFS, well, all, all fantasy football, but now more recently, DraftKings, FanDuel, the narrative was this boosts viewership for the NFL because you get people who wouldn't otherwise watch a game to watch the game because, oh, they might have Eli Manning as their fantasy quarterback, although, boy, you know, that wouldn't be the right guy to have. Uh, <laughs> Could be worse. You could have Geno Smith. There you go. There you go. Uh, and so this season, at least, it would stand to reason that fantasy hasn't been any real savior to the league. I mean, the league's problems are too deep for fantasy to help it. Although, of course, maybe without fantasy it would be even worse. But we know that the ratings picture has continued to decline. Uh, in some weeks, not as bad. I mean, and sometimes people say, oh, but the trend is more positive this week. But look, it's been a more than 5% on average decline in primetime viewership compared to the season before. And then even last season was down, too, because of the election. If you compare this season's ratings to two years ago, it's way down. It's like almost 20%. So what do you make of that? And, and does fantasy play into that? Is this a sign that really fantasy can't save NFL. I, I've thought a lot about this. It's a very layered situation. I, I don't think fantasy and gambling alone can save the NFL, but you're right. It can stave off some of what's... It, it can it can present like a larger floor because as long as there are statistics, people will play. That's why I also think, by the way, not to get off track, but I was just tweeting about this last night. I think like in 30 years, if no one's letting their kids play football anymore, like a, a flag league or something to that extent where you take the concussion and injury issues out of the game, again, as long as there's still people making leaping catches and there are stats to track, I think it's more viable than the average person thinks. But that, That's interesting. I'm surprised I haven't yeah. seen more people say that, but yeah. But, but, but we can chew on that another time. But back to <laughs> the, the current ratings problems, I think you and I both know that this is a result of you know just changing consumer habits and the um, short-sighted, non-educated people who like to blame this on players protesting have no clue what they're talking about. 
that said, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think people, like you said, there's cord cutting and people aren't watching as much television. Millennials don't watch as much live sports. We know that. But I also think there are more and more people who are sort of having a harder time putting aside what we used to celebrate, the violence and the gore of the game, and not be um, troubled by it. You know, last night's Steelers-Bengals game being Ugh. an obvious example. It's hard to Ryan watch. Shazier, yeah. And and I would add to that that, okay, so I can speak to the gambling aspect of it, the DFS aspect. I'm a Giants fan, and the season's been a disaster. And um, I have no reason to watch their games right now, but the ability to play a couple of DFS lineups and be in a contest and have the Red Zone channel at least keeps me watching football. I don't think I could watch a game right now without some sort of a rooting interest that mattered. And I, I don't think the game is good enough that you would just sit there and and say, wow, I'm just enjoying the brilliance of this play, and I don't care right. which team wins or how any of these guys do. And without the tribalism of my home team um, being at least competitive, it's really the last re- – it, it, fantasy is really the last thing you have to keep you interested. Mm. And I'm glad you say that about you wouldn't watch otherwise. I mean, just anecdotally, let's take myself. You know, I'm 30 years old. As recently as three years ago, I would watch any NFL game if I'm free and I'm by a TV, even if it's two teams that don't mean anything to me. I mean, I'm from Boston. I'm a Patriots fan, but two NFC teams, I'd watch anyway. But now I find that I'm just not interested. This season, I've really only watched the Patriots and then some Titans games because my girlfriend is from Nashville. But I just don't feel motivated to watch a Monday night game between the Steelers and who was last night? Bengals. The Bengals. I, 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 I didn't watch. It's really good. There's like a couple teams that I really enjoy. I've like enjoyed watching the Rams play this year because they're creative and mm-hmm. they've got some new faces. And it's, you know, I always like watching a West Coast team at like four o'clock in, <laughs> in New York where it's like there's actually the sun's actually signing as opposed to <laughs> when you look outdoors. It's very depressing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. And I feel like, again, that's an area where like the NBA has improved its actual product through rules changes and yeah. scoring is up and there's more freedom of movement and it's it's not a bogged down game and the pace and space flow has taken over and it's a more interesting game to watch whereas I feel like the NFL has just the quality of play has declined in a lot of ways and we can go crazy on you know spread offenses in college and people not learning <laughs> how to block but that's not the show but it's like it's 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 a lot of different things that yes. are sort of combining at once to create this problem. That's exactly right, and I'm glad you said. I think everyone wants to find the one thing they point to, but it's really death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, uh, that phrase perfectly applies here. You know, I, I'm of the view. I agree with you. It's not politics. It's certainly not only or directly politics. That's the least of it. Sure. But I but I don't think that the politics is zero. I I am now convinced that there are somewhere in the U.S. a few people who sure. aren't watching because they are offended. Yeah, are, And it's like are, one of many things. You right. Know? Are there people out there who think they're making America great again by not watching an NFL game? Yeah. Uh, is right. there any kind of critical mass? I, I, I highly doubt it because, again, these other factors are happening in other areas. So if you were just like... Exactly. If you were back in school, and I know some of these people may not have even gone to school, but um, if you were back in school and you were learning how to do like an experiment, right? You have your control group and your experimental group. Like, all the other groups are experiencing these issues yes. with television. Look at so, NASCAR. Yep. NASCAR or non-sports. And NASCAR, they love America. Yeah. And things that but things that aren't sports. Like yes. the, hello. Like there's a reason the why Grammys. I mean Yeah. Netflix and Amazon and, yep. and on and on and on. Yep. Like wake up and realize that there's something bigger going on than Donald Trump every now and then exactly. in, in areas of this country. Yep. And it, and core cutting and the head injuries. Those are the big two, I agree. Uh, I'm glad you brought it back to the NBA. I, I do want to ask, I mean if we compare those 
it's funny, you mentioned the product on the field for football. The one area where I sort of defend is I say, when people say, oh, the matchups are just bad, I don't necessarily blame the league for that because it's so hard to know who's going to be great halfway through the season or late in the season. I mean, first six weeks, everyone thought, oh, the Chiefs look awesome. Yeah. The Chiefs suck. I mean, that, that wasn't the real no, deal. No, the schedule is random and, and, right. and you know, just it's pre, pre-made years and years. And there's a formula. You're, you're, you have no way to control that. But it's almost worth asking, you know, for a while, even years ago, before NFL started declining a little bit, when it was just, like you said, NFL thought there'd be no ceiling for the NFL. People would always say, gosh, people who don't love football, which if you're a sports fan at all, they're, they're few and far between. But people say, no, here's why football isn't the best sport or even the second best. They would say, it's only X number of minutes of action per game. I think it's like 11 minutes total of actual movement. It's start and stop and start and stop. And if you're a football fan, you would sort of say, yeah, yeah, and dismiss it like, okay. But they'd say basketball, soccer, those are nonstop, up and down the field or up and down the court. And now when you pair it with all the other things going wrong, that does sort of start to seem like something that matters. I mean, NBA just seems like a more exciting sport. I think that's it. And I think you're, I thought you were going in a different direction too, which is I think there's definitely an overkill issue. I think the Thursday yes, night package. too much. Been, it is absolutely too much. The reason why you were able to get so into an NFL game was because it was once a week and it was such, you know, such a limited season. So Monday Made night football premium. To, Monday mm-hmm. night football used to be an event. I can't remember the last time I said, "Man, I got to put on Monday night and watch the Steelers <laughs> Bengals." Like, no, I'd rather be binge watching Game of Thrones or something. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm a sports guy, so I can't even imagine what people would like one tenth of my fandom. Exactly have. right. So, but yes, it's it's a slow. There's there's a it's a slow game. They've tried to rectify some of the commercial issues, but it's still going on. There's been a lot of bad teams this year, which is making it, you know, with poor quarterback play, it can make it interminable. Yes. Um, yeah, no, there are some some just issues with the way the game is played. And then there's stuff that, like, again, like you see it in the, reflected in the, in the way coaches operate. Like, it just, it's, they're not, not likable. Like, mm-hmm. this pseudo-militaristic act of what football is is off-putting. Whereas, like... The NBA, as the kids would say, is woke, right? Like yeah, totally. You've got it's actually true. Fun, like it's not just like Steve Kerr and Pop and Stan Van Gundy and Dave Fisdale before he was fired speaking out on social issues. They're also like just doing fun things, like Steve Kerr dressing up for Al Adel's night in 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 Oakland, and and like the coaches have personalities and the mm-hmm. players have personalities, or the players before the game starts in practice. You see Steph Curry messing around, taking his shots, interacting with people. There just seems to be a, a lighthearted. Yeah, feel absolutely, and I think the the you know guys who run teams have realized more than any other league that sort of the qualities you want in a coach these days are someone who can manage relationships and 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 it's a long grind of a season, and um, I think you see the best coaches are the ones who can sort of um, relate to their players on the on the most basic level. As we compare NBA and NFL, and one seems to be very much on the rise, and the other very much uh, facing a potential cliff, which shocks people. Uh, it's a great opportunity to get into one of my favorite little mini debates, which is who is the face of X oh, or Y sport? Face love ups. that. I do. Ever and since you were the face of Bunk Seven at age ten, <laughs> Dan was was. That's it. I was once a, a <laughs> camp counselor, and Dan was the uh, my first year as a counselor was uh, a ten year old living across the the bunk. So that's our that's, that's the depth of our relationship. But which he was the deep. face of, of Bunk Seven. That's a deep relationship. But yes, you do love this ridiculous well, face-up and game, so, here's, so let's do well, it. Well, let me defend it. Here's why I like it. Uh, if you, I mean, that's the least of it, but if you look at the NFL right now, mm-hmm. and of course, I can't even say this without people saying, well, you're biased, but Tom I do Brady, believe okay, it's not yes. just bias. Yes, you've got Tom Brady, 
and I'm here's where I show that. So here's I won't be biased by saying this because I hate Peyton Manning, but I'm happy to admit when Peyton Manning was playing, it was Peyton Manning. I mean, a major, major, major face. And even now that he's not playing, you could argue he's still the most famous recent football player. But after quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I can't even. Th- I mean, okay, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, those are all quarterbacks. Then you've got some non-quarterbacks, some J.J. Watt. Before uh, Odell was hurt. Sure, Odell. Uh, co- recently, cornerbacks are prominent. Richard Sherman. Uh, for a while, you had... Um, uh, who's another corner I was thinking of? Oh, there's a... Well, going a really back good... to like Deion Sanders and you know, oh, those yeah, guys were... Oh, yeah, going back, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we can go back. Totally. Uh, but that was you know just a handful of guys, and most of those are still on being generous. It's really like, okay, there's Peyton and Tom Brady. There, there aren't these prominent, likable, uh, fun, off-the-field... Uh, personable, you know, big on social media, who seem like they're not uh, groomed and rehearsed and PR'd. Like even Tom Brady, okay, he joined Instagram this year, but his posts are totally by a social media person, a hired person. Whereas NBA, you've got LeBron, you've got Steph Curry, it's clearly really them. They're tweeting, they're honest, they're open, they're not, you know who they are. Am I am I crazy? I mean, it just seems like there's more faces. for Well, they're for the out there in football, but the NFL doesn't do a good job of promoting them. Not only doesn't do a good job, in many cases, discourages actively it. discourages it. Right. There are lots of really smart, interesting, fun guys who aren't even the biggest stars, um, but no question the NBA universe has grasped social media. It's more of an NBA platform, Twitter. It really is. Um, oh, yeah. NBA Twitter Instagram is a huge too. thing. Yeah. Um, much more than the NFL. Uh, NBA is really sort of taken to Instagram, but I sort of don't understand why there has to be one face to begin with. Like, it's... And I actually think the NBA is a great argument for that. Like, yes, LeBron is LeBron, but there are many transcendent stars who people enjoy for a whole bunch of reasons, and and that's not even including, like, the class clowns of the league, like the Swaggy P's and the JaVale McGee's and guys who are, like, beloved because they're not great or do ridiculous things you know lance stevenson is like a gift machine like you don't have that in other sports and that's part of what makes the nba great blowing on the ear yeah it's just you've got all these (laughs) because okay because there's only five guys on the court at a time and you're close to the action you can see them and there's no helmet yes you feel like you know these guys and each one of them is like a different member of your family with his own quirks and you come to appreciate what makes that guy um unique and, and, and that's what the NBA is. It's like this big, weird, extended family. I think they've done a really good job of um, embracing that and, you know, helping you get to know guys on a different level. Yeah. Um, you're right. Like, you know, there may be a super quirky left guard for, you know, some team that nobody knows about because he doesn't have that platform to express himself. And, of course, having these guys and giving them a voice on social media is good for business. Uh, the only reason I ask, you know, who is the face or the two or three or four biggest faces is in a business sense. When we talk about marketability, endorsement deals, my litmus test is always who are the few players that you believe people recognize and know who aren't big NBA fans? We can agree, LeBron. I think Curry, too, now. Oh, Any others sure. you'd shout out? In the NBA, I, th- I think Harden. Mm. The beard, the beard. Is uh-huh, uh-huh. Kevin Durant, I think, yep. at this point. Um, KD. Uh, you think Kyrie is at that level yet? Well, uh, I don't think he's as yet, but he's going to be because look at how good this Celtics team is. I'm just thinking, like, I'm, I'm, you know, there's probably, like, names that aren't even coming to my head right away, but, like, I mean, Blake Griffin was right there for a little while. Again, he was so ubiquitous yeah, in I like Blake Griffin very much, yes. Um, I'm 
not sure Westbrook. He was a, a rare example where, if anything, more marketable than is his, his talents on the court. Right, which but is he's still, just always injured. Yeah, you know, like, and then you're you're waiting for like guys like Giannis and Porzingis, and I mean Embiid is almost there already. Right, that's the um, next the next wave. So, but yeah, I Chris guess, Paul too for a while sure. was all yeah, over. No, he's in a lot of commercials. Yeah. I, I, you know, and that's to say nothing about the Lonzo Ball phenomenon. Oh, <laughs> boy. I don't even want to touch that, but that's true. Look, I think that's already more names, by the way, than we can really say are legitimately huge right. off the field for the NFL. Right, right, right. And, it matters. And, know, and we're probably forgetting easily, you know, five guys. Yeah, yeah. When you look at college ball, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you're a big NCAA guy, college basketball. Uh, you know, I think this season especially, but it's it's more probably because of the negatives with the NFL, not because of any positives with college football. But I think this season, you saw a lot of people who maybe wouldn't have said they were big college football fans gravitate toward toward college football away from the NFL. What do you see currently as the relationship with NBA versus college basketball? Any recent changes? And then, of course, we can just shout out this very bad business-related scandal recently of this Adidas and Louisville and, and coaches uh, giving money to recruits and do you really think long-lasting that's bad for the for college football or no one cares and it'll blow over? And College basketball or college football? College basketball, I meant to say, yeah. I, I think college basketball is facing a lot of problems. Um, look, it still rakes in a ton of money because it is a three-week phenomenon. But people who think college basketball is a major national sport outside of those three weeks, and I say this as someone who has adored college basketball since I, he was a kid, is, is just not in touch with what's going on. Yeah, I'm like, glad you say that, yeah. I do rate, think big college basketball fans try to say it's they're, they're watching all year. Normal people are not watching until February. The, yeah. the ratings show it. Um, my last job, you know, we tracked views. The college basketball stories did nothing outside of March. Um, people just aren't into it, and I think the, the one-and-done rule has contributed to that because there's just less familiarity with the players. It's just a constant... You know, when the two best teams of the past few years, arguably Duke and Kentucky, have a, have a basically an entire new roster every year, there's no continuity, there's no storyline building, there's no um, people are grasping for guys who they can hook, you know, sink their teeth into for a couple of years. I, you know, and that's to say nothing of all the issues with paying players and what's clearly a corrupt ecosystem and everything else. Um, I think that the NBA, you know, again, Adam Silver has has made it clear that this one and done rule isn't working for anyone. Um, I would hope they would eliminate the age limit altogether, but really continue to build the G League into a legit minor league so no one is forced to go to college who has no interest in being in college and people can get paid to develop their skills. The real issue, and again, I, I, I run the risk of going off on a major tangent here, but it's a, an opinion I've held for a long time, is that as much as I love college sports as a fan, sports don't belong in colleges. We're the only country in the world that marries education with athletics. Interesting. Um, you know, I've read a lot of studies on this about the missions breaks people get in um, among athletes are greater than any other subgroup, whether you look at legacies or the proverbial oboe player or mm -hmm. um, mm. different minority groups, any anything you want. They're bigger. They uh, Athletes associate less. It's been studied with people on campus. They give back less when they graduate. Yeah. It's, it's a... Well, because you're, you're asking so much of that, mate. It's a full-time well, job. There's very little... It's, it's not even that. It's just very... They're not... It's a separate culture to separate campus they have separate facilities it's it's i see yeah you know that's why i i struggle the one area where i struggle is sort of on the paying of players because i get they're making money but i just don't like setting up this separate system where everybody else goes to college in one way and, and athletes are treated another way i think it would be better if, if 
athletes could could um, get their market value in terms of money, but in a professional setting, I don't think college is the place to do that. But these eighty thousand seat stadiums and massive marketing deals and everything else are going to work against that ever happening. Speaking of the commercialization of various leagues, we talked about how the NFL just has this feel of being really commercial and it's all ads and sponsors and hashtag brand. Uh, what is your take on this season? We've seen the proliferation of these jersey patches. And it's funny, when they first started announcing that, I remember I just did a simple tweet of something like groan or, oh God, here we go. And I was surprised just how many people kind of piled on me and said, who cares? It's fine. This is great. Bring more revenue to the teams. And I was just, I guess, making a kind of old soul purist argument of, I don't know. It's like the Celtics jersey is such a classic green Celtics jersey. They haven't tried to modernize it too much or change it or re-logo. Re and now there's a patch on it that has a, a, a company name. Do you care? Does it matter? Does it represent the endless, inevitable commercialization of every sport? You know, in a perfect world, um, visually, it would be just a uniform. Um, but I kind of, again, I, I, I kind of like, as long as people are willing to advertise, like, let's draw every last dollar hey, out of them and sure. and use it for good things that affect our lives more. Like, it's probably, I'm happier if the your Boston Celtics have... Ten dollars. Then, if um, I don't know, pick a company. You know, uh, GE. GE has oh, that, that ten dollars. Right. Like you know, it's um, you know, I, especially working in the world where we are, where like in media, everyone's trying totally. to get every last dollar. In in terms of, um, you know, that's where I'm sort right. of like, okay, like people get annoyed with ads or whatever. I'm like, you know what? If these, if if I extra like two minutes of commercial means I can get all this great stuff, like whatever. And I'm sort sort of feel the same way. Like, if the NBA can use this money to make the game great, like, I'll deal. Yeah, you mentioned media. We can do a whole separate uh, podcast on Spawn, SpawnCon and, yeah. you know, branded content. Uh, yes. It's funny. I, I see that argument. My my two fears are simply that the inevitable next step will be, for the NBA, you start renaming the teams with the corporate sponsor. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, you've got the New York Red Bulls in soccer. It's like right. it's going to be the Boston General Electrics. Um, and then in the NFL, I feel like you just wait. The next thing is the end zone itself will be an ad. They'll paint it with the name of the you know DraftKings instead of the name of the team. But I think not we've there resisted yet. that long <laughs> enough. I think that even like the most money grabbing people in sports realize there's a line that like where you in, in, in danger um, turning off your customers to, to such a degree that that fan connection is still paramount. It's like Roger Goodell's favorite phrase: the integrity of the game. Uh, there's one thing you said earlier I want to return to, and we can end on this. Is you, it about camp? You, more <laughs> you stories right, of when you were that's camp? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a sense that the NFL could do no wrong for a few years. Mm -hmm. And now finally people are starting to say Thursday night was greedy. Maybe even at some point adding Monday was greedy. It's sort of like I've heard the argument, and even an even more stringent version of what you said earlier, which is go back to just Sunday, and if anything, you know, only a few get – it's like – Forget, own one day a week, you know, own one night a week or one day a night. And instead they have three nights and it's definitely one too many. It might even be two too many. And I always say, gosh, I even think the other sports, their seasons are too long. And NBA too, we're saying, oh, NBA is great. But I remember, was it three or four years ago? You would know faster than I, but when the NBA lockout happened. Sure. And as a result, the season didn't start until like Thanksgiving or close to Christmas. And it was great. I felt like it was more exciting. It was, I was in, in tune the whole time. And I don't know if there's any kind of logic there. If you think that, and baseball too. Oof, baseball could have a shorter season, I think. Yeah, um, 
I've come to appreciate the long baseball season as a real measure of like how good teams are. Oh, I, like, I, and and the other thing too, people say, oh, it's like having the stamina. You're no, a real fan if you can watch stam- 160 no, I don't games. Think, and I don't watch <laughs> every game, but it's it's easy to follow. Um, you know, it's a box score sport. So totally. um, baseball works for me. My issue with baseball is actually the other way, right? Like that, it's the one sport where you have a real sample size of which teams better over co- the course of the regular season, and you completely blow it all by having a one game wild card playoff, which doesn't do anything but measure randomness sure is exciting though a five game first round which again measures nothing you don't even have to use a fifth starter which you use all year and even honestly i've argued that like the world series should be like best of nine or eleven it will never happen but like uh, you know i like analytics and well and i would have loved that the last two world series yeah if you those were great series if you could like honestly if you could cut the regular season by like 20 games and throw them into the playoffs i would do that in a second it will never happen and you know as well as i do that no other sports shortening the regular season either because it's uh, it's money. Um, yeah. I don't mind, and this ready for this to bring the everything full circle. Part of what I can like, what makes the longer season cool in the NBA and stuff is fantasy. And there you go, gambling, and you have sure. something else to sort of at least check in on and track over a longer piece of time. So um, there are a lot of people who want a shorter season more for the um, rest and health of the players. I think we've seen a lot of studies done on you know, at least trying to curtail back-to-backs and four games and five nights and things like that. And a lot of teams are getting really progressive with the way they travel and they rest, and it's still a real grind on these players and the injuries they suffer. But um, I don't think that the season is going to get any shorter, but I, I, I do think there are, um, like what they did this year, shortening training camp and the preseason and extending the season actually by a couple of weeks, but to space it out a little bit more is smart. And if at least a fewer games on certain nights, then certain teams can own the night more, like you sure. were talking about. yeah. Uh, real quick, give me the Celtics, Warriors, Cavs outlook. You know, everyone, the narrative is, gosh, are the Warriors just too good and now it's going to be boring because they're the best every year? Well, right now, it's the Celtics. What do you think for trying to predict the finals? I mean, <laughs> the, the, no one's beating the Warriors. It's not even... What? No <laughs> it's one? It's not even a question. They would like The Steph Curry ankle injury would have to linger all year. Like <laughs> Kevin Durant would have to get into a fist fight with Klay Thompson, and one of them would have to be lost for the year, and then like maybe you've got a chance. But they are so far head and shoulders above everybody else, and the only reason they're not winning wow. every game is because they get bored. But, so is that a bad thing for the league? There's um, no parity there. Is it a bad thing? Um... Yeah, in general, I think it's it's a it's not optimal to have um, to feel like your champion is inevitable. Right. Um, I right. think that the NBA has had a problem with this forever. It's always been dominated by just a couple teams at once. Dynasties. Yeah, and it's just the nature of the sport. Like a couple great players can just change the calculus. Um, there are things the NBA I think could do to really um, change the focus um, and, to, and to broaden the chance of people competing, um, but. Yeah, look, the Warriors are great for the sport in that whenever they play, they're a show. But ultimately, I don't think it's it's best for fan bases. Well, I hope Kyrie and the Celtics can at least give them. Look, you know, and, and the great thing about the Celtics <laughs> is they they're set up for years to come now. Totally, totally. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you very much. Appreciate Thanks, it, Dan. Always good seeing you. Okay. All right. Good to have Jordan in. Jordan is definitely a, a basketball guy, both college basketball and the NBA. Uh, I personally am not as much of a basketball guy, just just fan-wise, but certainly in a business sense. The NBA is on the rise and has been a fascinating league to watch and pay attention to. So it was good to have him in, and I will certainly be watching to see 
the finals this year and, and whether Jordan is right that no one can touch the Warriors. I was a little surprised by that. The Celtics just look so good. I thought he'd give them a little bit of a fighting chance, but he says no. I'm eager for Boston to prove him wrong. Thanks for listening. Uh, always, we want to hear your comments and your feedback. You can comment on one of my articles. You can find me on Twitter. Find Yahoo Finance on Twitter. Comment on the podcast page. And speaking of that, we want you to rate, review, and subscribe to Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Okay, we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks. And go Celtics. And enjoy your basketball or football or whatever sport you prefer. Bye.